0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petum here as always and the Steven Gerrard era continues with wins and that is all we want to see these days at Villa Park. Of course, a 2-1 victory at Sellers Park on Saturday against Crystal Palace. Two former fantastic players, of course, in Gerard and Vieira pl- are not playing, I should say, managing against each other. I did see a picture actually of them playing against each other. So that's where that confusion comes. But nonetheless, of course, I do have Simon O'Regan and Danny Raza here with me as well to go through all the fun. So we're going to touch on that for a little bit and then look ahead to Wednesday's clash at Villa Park against Manchester City and... um that guy named josh or whatever the meme name now that i see on social media that people call him maybe danny can remind me because i feel like i forget or simon could too but anyways let's get to the fellas here simon how's it going for you
2: uh not too bad thanks um another good win wasn't it i was i was in nottingham yesterday in the daytime and night for a little boy's day out and it was uh that result coming through certainly made it a very very pleasant evening
0: Well, you know what, if it's one way to boost your day or boost your evening and give you a good night's sleep, you look very well rested. So, you know what, you can put that to the villa. I don't know why I just said that. But anyways, (laughs) basically just called you a pretty man. But oh, well, who who knows? I got to give you a little bit booster before uh, that Monday morning that everyone hates. But of course, we do have the man, the myth, the legend, the um, famous individual of this podcast. It's Sir Danny Raza. Danny, how's it going? Hey man, how's it going? You didn't have to introduce me like that. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm fantastic. You know what? It's another Villa win. It's about, what, uh, 5.19 on a Sunday evening. For me, it's 10.19 for these guys in the UK. We're doing a late night edition of this. For us, of course, you'll hear this first on the Monday morning, but like I said before, two wins on the bounce for Villa. Wins in the win column are always important, up to 16 points. I think that puts us right around the mid-table mark after Sunday's results. And you know what? It, it's just great to feel comfortable. We don't have to even have that thought right now of, ooh, we're getting too close to that relegation zone. We're doing well. We're playing well under a new manager, a new system, a new philosophy, and it's all happy days. But Danny,
1: what were your thoughts on the overall game yesterday? Yeah, I think um, summed up, actually, to be fair, uh, by someone who I was watching with was that I actually looked happy watching Villa. I actually looked happy for once watching the game, um, which is true, actually. Like, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching us. I think for the last few months or so, um, it's it's felt a bit like, you know, we're rolling over at the start. You're tense. You're worried what, what we're going to do. I only really felt tense for about uh, two minutes. And that was at the end of the game after we conceded but in general, like I just, I just, I'm very confident that there's a plan there. And I think that's what, that's what made me happy. Um, my biggest thing, the thing that I noticed most, and I won't go into it too deep, was it very much looks like Gerard is starting to implement his system. The way that Matty Target and Matty Cash were able to get up the pitch and uh, get inside, um, whilst, whilst Ramsey and McGinn dropped back to cover and Nakamba as well doing his job too. It very well, almost. I, I might add, that for me was the biggest thing. The way that Gerard utilized the fullbacks, I think that's going to be a key theme in Gerard's Villa going forward.
0: Hundred percent. And the one thing I kind of want to give over to you, Simon, right now is Maddie Target. Of course, scored a goal yesterday, the opening goal of the game, has had two. Brilliant performances back to back. And he looks like the last season's Matty target it looks like he's finally found a little bit of himself, a little bit of that old identity, and maybe added a little bit to it as well already under Gerard. But what were your thoughts on him yesterday? And I, I guess one other thing to add on to that, what do you think this does to his confidence?
2: Well, obviously, from a confidence point of view, it's, you I mean, you can see the, the difference that he's already made the last couple of games. Um, I, I think with Target, I think. I think he got. I think he was injured or had an operation maybe in pre-season, so I don't, I don't think he had um, much of a, a proper pre-season, like, like the majority of our squad, to be honest. So I, I think that sort of meant that he was maybe always going to take a bit of time to get himself back up to speed this season. And I think probably the main thing is that I believe last son, last game against Brighton was the first time since August like the second game of the season that that back four and Martinez had played together and now they've two games in the road. they've done it and I think you can't underestimate how big that is your defense is constantly changing the formations constantly changing and you're not picking up wins it's it's going to be you're going to get problems i just think going back to what Worked so well last season, certainly the first half of last season. And just sort of getting back to the basics, you know, as we say, you can see the difference in you're not just target, but but the whole back four. You you know, look at Tyro Mings, he seems you know we all know that he he can divide his opinions, shall we say, on, on social media amongst some supporters. But I thought he was outstanding against Brighton, and from the uh, sort of highlights that I've seen, he was very good again yesterday. There's I mean, there's one moment in the first half when Ben Teke powered through, and Ming's, no you know, Maxim's drive has tried and outmusled him, and it's just Target, I suppose, is the biggest um, shining light, I suppose, so far for those first two weeks. But I think it's the whole back four, really, that you can just see
0: what it's done, getting that consistency back together. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's that kind of whole notion of, being as a, a unit having that consistency and as well of course we've seen Courtney Haas come in and it's been chop and change, Ashley Young at left back and we've seen a lot of movement here and there and everywhere. Um, Con's of course missing through suspension as well. It's good to have that consistency and I mean it's only two wins on the bounce and we have Man City next, so I'm, I'm never going to be too confident because of course it's Villa. We know what can happen with Villa. Um, it can get pretty dark at times, of course, but. I don't feel really bold in saying that this back four and of course, Emmy Martin is in goal is a top 10 um, defense and goalkeeping tandem. I just, to me, I kind of see that as a benchmark of where we can go. If everyone finally knock on wood and I'll I'll do so right now. um, I mean, it's kind of fake wood, but anyways, uh, no one really needs to know that, but um, it's just one of those things that everyone, everyone can stay fit, firing and healthy. I think we can finally achieve something. But, Danny, the one thing I want to hear from you about is, of course, we saw Ashley Young yesterday start, and he's rolling back the years, uh, not only from active play, but in set, set pieces as well. And, of course, we have Leon Bailey starting. So you have Buendia, of course, dropped, and, of course, Danny Ying's dropped for Watkins. So Watkins moves in the middle. But what did you make of the wing play yesterday in particular?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Again, it seems like the wing is pushing a lot um... – a lot uh, a lot more inside into Gerard as well. Ashley Young, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not incredibly sure how much he does kind of from open play. I'm honestly, I think I think Simon might be able to help me out with that one a little bit more. Um, just as someone who's probably um at the at the games more often because I think it's one of those ones with the wingers and that kind of work, it's hard to it's hard to see what they do until they get the ball. Um Leon Bailey as well. I think he had an okay game. Uh, but I don't think it was his best game. I think I think he's still looking ever so slightly not quite there yet. But I do think that dynamism was important. You know, having someone who who was gonna scare, um, you know, scare the Crystal Palace defense. I think for someone like Tyreek Mitchell, obviously had to, had to do a lot to, to deal with him really. Um, but I think to be fair, one thing I will say about Young is that with Matty Target on that left hand side. Worked really, really well with him. When we talk about the wing play, it wasn't just Bailey and Young; it was Cash and Target. Um The fact that Target was able to get so high up the pitch um, and help out Ashley Young was was good to see. The fact he was able to to run inside, I think there was. I know this is ever so slightly off topic, right? But if you look at Andrew Robertson and Liverpool, he played he played a very very he played one of his best games. Liverpool for a while you know he was out with injury and everything one of the things that he does is and this is under Jurgen Klopp who Gerard obviously may well have learned a trick or two from is that he gets inside the box he makes those diagonal runs that you don't expect from fullbacks that was something that we saw a little bit of from Matty Target and that that really excites me so now it does look like we're creating chances for Ollie Watkins um from out wide which is which is something I want to see Ashley Young specifically yeah his set piece play brilliant um it's now two weeks in a row that he's, that he's, that he's given us assists. The The fact that he managed to get an assist from a corner this time made me very happy because we just don't get goals from corners. We just don't do it. Uh, it takes me back to the days when, when young would be swinging and swinging them into John Carew who'd, uh, who'd be banging them in with his head. Um, the only thing I will say is that, you know, the wingers have been playing well, but Ollie Watkins with his back to goal yesterday, I think is the only thing which I would have, a, I would have a slight criticism of. Um, I want to see a little bit more from him. I want to see him work with the wingers a little bit better. I don't think we've fully seen. Um, we haven't seen certainly Gerard's top front three just yet. Uh, I think the more that that works together, um, yeah, the more exciting it will get, and the more I kind of understand, I suppose in my own head, uh, <laughs> which wingers work better. Yeah, um, but I honestly I cannot I cannot say that I saw young and Bailey did too much um, throughout the game. I will say that El Ghazi looked bright, bright spark when he came on. He's looking like the El Ghazi of old, getting assists instead of shooting every time he gets the ball.
0: Well, we'll get to the substitutions a little bit later because we know you're the, the substitution pro on this and you like to rant and rave about lack thereof substitutions or if they're too late or whatever, and you like to applaud when they're early as well. So you do give a fair judgment. I have to give you that, Danny. But the one thing I did notice in regards to when you referenced uh, Maddie Target and Maddie Cash bombing forward, and of course, you still had Young and Bailey up there as well, was the amount of times you'd see the likes of McGinn, Nakamba, at times very rarely, but usually the wider um, two with Ramsey, of course, and McGinn, they'd sometimes sit back a little bit and kind of provide that little bit of coverage deeper. So if we're going to get hit on the counter, it's not too much of a worry that we've overcommitted, especially on the wing play. That's one thing I've noticed under Gerard. There's always, and I, don't know why, when, shouldn't say always but for the most time there's coverage in areas that you know what if we're going to be vulnerable at least we have someone there to at least try to negate something and that's one of the biggest shifts and changes I've noticed especially with the midfield pressing as well but Simon in particular of course we all know Danny Ings was dropped Ollie, Wat- Ollie Watkins I should say came in were you a fan of that one I, I know that I heard earlier today or maybe it was even yesterday that uh, Jared was saying that he dropped Ings purely um, due to, I think it was some fitness or injury niggles that he's kind of had here and there. But do you think it was the right call yesterday? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think...
2: I, I, I really like Danny Ings. I think he's a really good player. He's a good finisher. I I don't see a system in that you can really play Ings and Watkins together. And I think if you're playing Watkins you have to play him through the middle. Uh, you, you, you cannot play him out wide. And the reason why I say this is because everyone sort of says, uh, and, and it's true, that what, when you watch Watkins, he does tend to drift out to the left quite a bit, which is true. But I think you, you can sort of miss that the thought process behind that. He's starting positions through the middle. So when he's starting positioning through the middle, the opposition centre-back, you know, they're... they're uh, role at the beginning of the game is to worry about Ollie Watkins. So if he drifts out wide, centre backs sometimes will, will be drawn out wide with him, or they'll be worried. Oh, sh- am I meant to go? And it's the fullback picking them up. And I think what that does is it then creates space through the middle. So he's he may be picking the ball apart wide, but he hasn't. His starting position hasn't been there. If his starting position is out wide at the beginning of the game, you've got inks in the middle. Then that movement is pointless because it hasn't left that space in there for someone. So I think um, I, I suspect that Jones will be. I think it's very unlikely that we'll see a front three of Ings in the middle with Watkins in a wide position because you just I think you actually get the best out of either player in there because Watkins isn't the wing isn't a light winger that Danny Ings I think would thrive from because he's not a creative. Wingy's not going to run down the outside of a fullback and get the ball into the box into the six-yard area where Ings is going to cause the most damage. So, um, no, I, I think it was it was definitely the right decision.
0: Oh, I agree with that as well. And, I mean, I, I think the one thing, too, I think we all have to consider as well is... Last season, the biggest one of the biggest concern was, Well, who are you going to bring on as the backup striker? Well, now we're pretty well blessed with that. And if you're now thinking, Well, you can maybe take all the off maybe in the 65th minute, 60th, even if you want to be bold, you have Danny Ings there for at least half an hour. And him with tired defenders is probably one of the most lethal things. And again, this is a, a fit and healthy team that's finally starting to one, of course, get healthy and two, click. So we're gonna to have to kind of wait and see what happens, but Daniel, I'll spin something a little bit different, and I mentioned it before, and we'll talk about substitutions right now because, of course, Bundia comes on, El Ghazi comes on, they link up brilliantly for the second, and obviously the game-winning goal, John McGinn scoring that and doing—I don't know what that that celebration is to be honest, besides flipping your, um, your—I don't know why I'm doing it now because no one can see this, but flipping your, uh, your fingers off the opposite way basically but uh, nonetheless it's brilliant I love he's like he's having fun I love the confidence and just kind of the enjoyment in that and uh, probably the one player in my opinion that's enjoying um, football under Stephen Jarrett probably the most you would say but can you speak to us about the substitutions because this is your area of expertise of course at least on the whole cast
1: trying to make me out to be like the Austin McPhee of substitutions here.
0: Well, you are. Like, so you like, have fantastic hair. So there you go. That's
1: it. Okay, right. Right. I don't have fantastic. Okay. Compared to Simon, maybe I have fantastic. Right. Yeah, I think I think the substitutions so far under Gerard have, have worked quite well. I think, obviously, with, with Dean Smith, it always looked like there was an element of randomness when it came down to it. It was great seeing sort of Archer and you know, other other youngsters like Chuck Wameko, who has been in the news this week, um kind of come on. Um, but I think for for Steven Gerrard, you look at the last two games and have those substitutions changed games? Yeah, they have. You know, the first um the first game obviously brought on um a bunch of players and uh you know, including Leon Bailey. And I think basically changed the game for the better. We won the game because of all the energy. El Ghazi coming on and doing well. Ashley Young coming on and doing well. Of course, Ashley Young earned himself a start. Um, but uh, this time around, I think Douglas Louise coming on from Ramsey. Good move. Ramsey had a great game. But, you know, getting, getting someone of uh, someone of Luiz's experience to come out and see the game out. Brilliant. Uh, I think second, second time, of course, El Ghazi's come on. I think Gerard likes El Ghazi. I, I think there's I think Gerard has i don't know he's seen something in it. Al Ghazi, we knew was a talented player, but there was elements of his game where you thought he was channeling his talent wrong like he <laughs> at times he's he's unplayable at times he can um you know he can he can be an absolute goal threat, but it always seems like he'll shoot. you always seem to know what he's going to do, and that's fine. But so far under Gerard, is it? Am I right in saying he's got two assists? I believe so. I oh, that's a good question.
0: I'm pretty sure. But anyway,
1: it was an assist this time round. Yes, but he was involved in a goal the, the week before. So yes. he's he's come on. He's come on and done really well both times. And it, and actually, one thing that was great today was actually looking forward to seeing Ogazi come on. There was there was there was times today thinking yeah, Ogazi. Um, or the times yesterday, thinking, yeah, Orgazzi going to come on and and play well, and that was good. Um, and then Buendia as well. Like, I, it would have been a, it would have been sad to see him kind of sit on the bench for the entire game. I think that I think there's an element of Gerard not wanting to kill off his confidence. Um, I'm not sure where Buendia fits just yet, but I think what we're seeing so far is some is some proper winger rotation, and that's good, I guess. You know, we're seeing, in my opinion, right? If you're going to play that pressing game high up the pitch, you need to switch up those wingers. You need to make sure that they're going to get the absolute um, maximum amount of running it. So uh, I, thought, I thought all the substitutions were good.
0: Oh, there we go. An A plus plus from uh, Mr. Danny Raz. I think that's the it's first just, one in Holtcast history.
1: It's just, no, it's not an A. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's just one of those things, man. Before, like with, with, with Smith, you're just thinking to yourself, bro, what are you doing? So the game needs a change. In this sense, in, in this case, you know, the game was already sort of in Villa's hands, but they needed to be a little bit more. Um, but with Gerard, I think you just know that this guy was an elite player. I know, I don't want to disrespect Smith too much. Gerard was an elite player, right? He knows what it takes to, to see out games like this. He knows what... Um, you know, he know he knows which players are talented enough to to come on and change games, and 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 and, and it's obvious, and it just seems like everyone's motivated into uh, motivated by him. How long that lasts, though, I don't know. Is he are they are they motivated because it's Gerard or are they motivated motivated because it's a um, new manager and they want to impress? I don't know. Um, I just hope that it lasts. Well, I, I think the thing that helps Gerard is the backroom staff and probably the size
0: of it. Of course, you still have McFee there as well. You still have Cutler there. Um, there's familiarity which helps and then I think just with the number of new assistant coaches coaches whatever that have come in I think that can probably balance itself out because if you ever notice, of course under Dean Smith it was always him and Shakespeare standing together now you, you never see that the whole backroom staff sitting and you think we have like 20 subs that's kind of how it looks from the screen at least when I'm watching it but um, he's always standing by himself and it kind of kind of brings maybe a little bit more assurance to me that you must maybe know that there's a game plan and that's what's going to be stuck to. It doesn't always look like it's two people just having a chat, still trying to figure things out throughout the game. I'm not saying that was always an issue with Dean Smith because look at last season, of course, and that was our best season in what, a decade. So you know what? It's kind of maybe nothing really to pull at, but uh, I don't know. At least for me, it gives me a little bit more assurance, but We have to talk about it. If I don't talk about him, I feel like people will start tweeting us and contacting us saying, how the hell have you not talked about Marvelous Nakamba? I mean, the man was on a mission, in my opinion, the best game he's ever had in a Villa shirt, broke up play tackles, made simple passes. I don't know. I, I, I love the man. The man could smile and it could put me into pure bliss and happiness for at least a week. He's just a, seems like a lovely, lovely guy, but Simon, what were your thoughts on him yesterday in particular? And I, I guess to kind of follow this up with a similar question that I asked you about Target, what do you think this does for his confidence?
2: Um, I thought from, from what I saw, he was, he was very, very good yesterday. And he followed on from very, a very solid display against Bryson. I think he wasn't spectacular, but he was good and solid. Whereas yesterday... With having, you know, had a full week of training with the whole squad there, maybe a bit more time to sort of work on things, you could see uh, seeing improvements in there. It just again, like what I said, with target, it's not necessarily just simple The whole back four with the Camber, not necessarily just simple but that midfield three of him, Ramsey, McGinn, they're just there looks like there's, there's more energy in, involved in them. The, the big thing that I have noticed, which was certainly for the first 15, 20 minutes against Brighton as well, is how much quicker they're moving the ball. It's one of, uh, one of my biggest annoyances when I'm watching games is slow passing. Like, these are top, top footballers. If you're playing in the Premier League, you're a very good player. So you can control the ball if it's fizzing at you. It's, it really frustrates me when, when you see a weak little pass rolled into a midfielder that gives the opposition player time to come and close the space down. Whereas with the quick passing, it gets us going up the pitch so much quicker and you've got players that, that can deal with it. So I think that's, that's been quite interesting to see. That have that sort of coming already after those, you know, these first two games, and you know, Nakamba, he's he, he's looking like he's sort of thriving at the moment. and if that can continue, then you know, you know, this is obviously early days after two games, but I think we all sort of think the midfield is is an area that needs addressing, and especially that sort of holding midfield role. But if he's if he can go and and show that he's actually more than capable of fulfilling that role with people like uh, McGinn, Ramsey or Douglas Wees alongside him who are able to then go forwards, then you know maybe it saves us having to spend 40-50 million on that player in January and that money can be used elsewhere in the squad. I don't know. It's, it's certainly certainly a real opportunity now for him over these next few weeks is to, to show to Gerard and the rest of the team that he, you know we you don't need to go out and spend 50 million on Bissuma or James Will Prowse because I'm here already and I can do the job.
1: I think um it's an interesting one when when you think about how John McGinn was, you know, a very, you know, a very, very good player when we first came to the Premier League for that initial injury. Um you know, the initial injury when 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 Villa obviously got um got promoted first time around. And we almost felt like we haven't seen that same player since now he's playing better. Now you've got Jacob Ramsey who in some some ways is a is an unknown quantity. When the campers got in front of him there is two midfielders who are working a lot harder, two midfielders who are you know playing at the top of their game right now. What I hope is that that is going to be their actual level, and that they improve from it. I hope that that's now their floor. the The worry is that that's you know that's that's them running their asses off because because Gerard is is, is new here. But yeah, I'm hoping that that's their flaw. And with that, Nakamba kind of gets the license to do the work he's needed to do, right? Like, you know, people talk about Nakamba's passing being awful. I don't think Nakamba's passing is awful, right? I've never thought Nakamba's passing was awful. I think the issue that that he's had is that him playing as that deep-lying midfielder, with John McGinn, Jacob Ramsey, Douglas Luiz, whoever's playing in that midfield with him, when they're not coming for the ball, when players aren't making runs, when players aren't making openings, then what you've got is the deep-lying playmaker, so to speak, right? Or that defensive midfielder basically staring at a bank of four or a bank of three opposition players in front of him and not having uh, a place to move it. When McGinn and when Ramsey are moving midfielders out the way, I saw it a couple of times in the Camber in in the game against Palace, where he'd actually be going, you know what, actually, I've got a direct... I've got a direct link here to to Ollie Watkins. I've got a direct link over here to, to Leon Bailey, um, and I think that for me has has really made things easier for McCamber and and given him you know given the opportunity to do that. Look, defensively, I don't have any issues with him. I think I think Villa Villa have been working defensively as a unit brilliantly. I think now Brighton and Palace is the other games where Villa have conceded the least number of shots. Um, suddenly out of nowhere that's just from Gerard coming in so I think I think Nakamba playing better and Nakamba looking better I think it is a symptom of having a midfield which is performing its best I think Ger- Gerard at the end of the day an elite midfielder he's gonna he's he's the man who's gonna have the advice for these guys um and it's again not like Gerard was just a just an elite midfielder. He was an elite captain as well, so always been a leader. Um, and if if anything for McGinn, Ramsey, and Nakamba, there's no one better for them to learn off.
0: Hundred percent. And like quickly on Nakamba, for him, it's just about playing to his strengths. It's, I think the one thing that's always hindered him in my mind is when Douglas Louise comes out. You know what you get with Nakamba, and for some reason, some people think he needs to play exactly like Douglas Louise does. He's never going to. Gerard and that coaching staff have realized how he needs to play to succeed. And we're doing that. It's quick touching. It's one touch passes. It's moving the ball away from him as quick as possible. Don't give him time to think a lot on the ball. We know what he can do defensively. He's brilliant at it. And I think, you know what? It's a, it's a good investment overall. If you look at the player that we signed a few seasons ago to how he's playing right now, it's completely different. He's on another level. And, you know what, if he doesn't have a future at Villa beyond the season, I'm just saying, I'm not saying I don't think he does or anything like that. Then he'll be very, very good for another side if they can play for that. But uh, to his strengths, I should really say, but it's brilliant to see because so many people have written him off and thought, you know what, he's one to chuck out in the bin basically. And it's been like that really ever since he's joined Villa. So it's good to see him kind of taking the chance and, To be honest, in my mind, Douglas Louise has to do some very, very hard work on the training pitch to really gain that position back in my mind full time with how well McCann was playing. Maybe it'll benefit, of course, playing Man City on the Wednesday with the short turnaround, but... We'll have to wait and see, but let's get over to the three-word summaries from Twitter. Of course, you can tweet us at 7500 to Holt after every match and get your three-word summaries over to us, and we'll read a few out, so I'll do that right now. We'll start with uh, Stefan Phillips saying winner from McGinn. Michael Rudd saying young, marvelous McGinn. Um let's go to Jazz Singh Hard Fought Victory. Uh Gerard Gerard Gerard, sorry, Lamprey. Sorry, Gerard. Um, uh, Diaz pre-assist. Uh, let's go to David Bladden fuck in Mega. I, I like how we broke that just to get three words in. Very creative. Uh Liam B super Aston Villa. And we'll do two more here. We'll go to Mitch underscore UTV. Daddy Stevie G uh interesting one to say the least and <laughs> we'll finish with
1: that's brilliant <laughs> it, it, it is
0: I, I i do love that one um oh there was one i did want to oh here it is um ninjan gula i've butchered that but if you're listening to this i do apologize i butcher a lot of things marvelous nakante um i i think that's the best way to finish that one also very good um quirky little three-word summary so of course thank you very much and of course you can tweet us at 7500 to hold in the future well guys let's get to the uh, match ball part of this and then we'll talk a little bit of man city on wednesday because i'm sure we're all very much looking forward to how that could potentially go um, depending on if that one fella does decide to not be injured for once in his life but anyways danny uh, let's go to you first who would you give your match ball to
1: uh, Matthew's shots on target um, the first um, I think I'm going to give it to him I think, as I said, brilliant game bombing down that left-hand side uh, and I think the fullbacks for me, as I say, sum up that game I get why people say Nakamba Nakamba had a very good game as well, fair enough but for me I, I don't know, I, I've always thought Nakamba was a good infielder I think, I think he's improved in the same ways that McGuinn and Ramsey have I've never really written him off so I think, I think for me, it's going to be Matthew Target. I think brilliant, brilliant performance from him. And I'm excited to see how these fullbacks um, get, you know, how they, how they play under Gerard. I thought I thought before when we were playing five at the back and him and Cash were playing at wingbacks, I was thinking, no, this isn't right. He looks uncomfortable. And now he's, you know, doing defensive work and getting the license to go forward. And heck, you know, he does look comfortable. So um, clearly gerard has got him playing a particular way. And yeah, I just hope he's back because we were worried about the left-back position, and, and now I'm glad that, well, I'm, I'm not so worried anymore.
0: Absolutely, and of course, it's something that we can always chat about closer to the transfer window. I, like, I wouldn't be shocked if we do go for another backup and maybe consider Young more um, as more of a winger, or someone that can play a few different kind of positions as we've seen this season. But anyways, Simon, who would you give your match ball to?
2: Um, I think, yeah, that's a. Is- Few contenders for it. I'll I'll probably go for John McGinn, I think, um, the that that winning goal just sort of tipped tips it for me, and yeah, that's the celebration superb. <laughs> no, nah, he I mean, it'll a brilliant goal, and I, I think, I I think he's actually really going to flourish under Gerard. I I, I think it's Dan right. He um when we first got promoted, he he was really really good, and he got that injury and didn't quite look. Like he was quite back at it. I think this season he looks a lot fitter, and I can see Gerard using him with us more, like how Scotland him, where he he's more of an advanced attacking midfielder. His goal scoring record for Scotland is ridiculous, and he's got the technique and the, the ability to to be aiming for double figures for us. So I'm uh yeah, I'll go for McGinn, and I'm, I'm, I'm like Danny's excited with the fullbacks as am I. I'm i excited to see how McGinn and the rest of the midfields. We'll, uh
0: will flourish as the season goes on. 100%. And if you're wondering why Simon was referencing the celebrations, because I did it and I somehow managed to whack myself in the eye as I was doing it. So injury on the, the podcast. So um, old school Villa there pre, or I guess earlier this season for that one. But
1: uh, interesting, interesting point about McGinn though, just yeah. really, really quickly is that he's already, he's already um leveled his point, his goal tally from last season. And that was in, that was in, what was it? 37 games. He just missed the one game. We've only played 12 games this season. He's already scored three McGinn. So I, I, I won't put 10. I won't put 10 past him. Well,
0: you never know. I feel like he's due a double here eventually, or very, very soon. Um, I don't know. I just I just hope it happens. I, I honestly it it's one of those things with the villa midfield, and as long as I've been a villa fan, I can always remember it chopping and changing, and there's never been that one mm-hmm. consistent player. I absolutely adore John McGinn. I think he is like the man just oh, i don't know the, the the humor that he brings and everything else anyways it could be a love fest but we can go into that another day when he scores a hat trick um against blues or something in a cup game at this point because let's be realistic hopefully we're not going back down hopefully to hell they never come back up but anyways um enough of that i'm gonna go with and change it up from my player ratings where i gave it to the cam but i'm actually gonna give it to ashley young The only reason I say that is because the delivery on set pieces has changed so drastically since he's been taking them himself. Um, Of course, he doesn't have the pace as he used to in the old Villa days, but he's using his positioning, his reading of the game to full effect. And I think the way that he plays the game out wide also benefits the fullbacks. And I think that gives everyone a little bit more assurance because he's been there. He's done that. He knows if he overcommits, it's going to leave a gaping hole at the back if someone like Target or if he's playing on the other wing at certain points throughout the game, like Cash, can overcommit. And I, I just think, you know what, what he offers is so undervalued. And I think a lot of people almost forget that we got him for nothing. Um, and he could have been playing for Burnley right now. So it could have been Corne on one side and uh, Ashley Young on the other, whipping those balls in and scoring those goals. And you know what, that actually would have sounded rather interesting for Burnley, but uh, anyways, we'll, we'll let them worry about themselves, but let's talk Manchester City guys. Of course, they come to Villa Park in a Wednesday evening fixture. The festive season just kicks off as soon as De- December 1st hits and we're going to be in a lot of... Uh, different emotions maybe in the month of December with Dean Smith. And of course that man, Jack Grealish, potentially, I doubt he'll play, but anyways, I'm sure he'll be sitting in the stands there somewhere on Instagram, taking photos and saying, come on lads. And I don't know. I think it's going to be a really awkward game for him no matter what, but Simon let's, let's do a little bit of a crystal ball session here. What do you think the reception will be if he plays or even if he's in the stadium on Wednesday?
2: I, I, Unfortunately, I, I think he'll get quite a hostile reception if he plays. I don't think he should, but I, I just think I just think he, he, he will if that happens. Um, which to be fair may work in, in Villa's favour because it's, it's going to be a very tough game. Man <laughs> City are an excellent team, and I think if if the crowds you know under the lights, if the crowds get uh, up for it and it's you know a bit tense and a bit bit of an aggressive atmosphere that they may actually translate onto the pitch and, and help us out so um, yeah be be interesting but I, I've, I've just got a funny feeling that, that this injury has, has come at a very convenient time for him to miss this game and then be back for cities running the, the more congested festive season
0: well to be honest if he doesn't play or doesn't show up I'll be very glad because one it takes the focus off of him and puts it back on the game where it should be and it just avoids a narrative that at least we wouldn't have to face until next season. So, you know what? I, I don't think the feelings might be as harsh at that point, given how long it'll be. Who knows? Um, but uh, maybe that's a blessing in disguise. But Danny, talk to us here. Be our, be our expert here. The the eyes in the sky. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But anyways, how are you feeling about this one? Confident at all? How can one ever
1: be confident about facing Man City? That team is... that, that they're, they're ridiculous. I don't think they, they ever let anything slip. I know they lost to Crystal Palace, I think at the end of last month, but that, they did have a man sent off in that game. As far as Grealish goes, he's, he's, I believe he was training individually a few days ago. I mean, that's enough time by Wednesday to kind of get fit enough. Like, I think, I think if he's fit, he will play. <laughs> no, no, no. I think if he's fit, he will play. That, that being said, I mean, I'd rather he played than like Phil Foden. Who's a who's a better player than him? Essentially, Grealish has not been has not been putting in the goals and assists this season. He he really hasn't. Um, And it's I'm not saying he's a bad player. Like obviously he's brilliant, but if 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 he does play, like it will be a hostile it will be a hostile um, situation for him at Villa Park. He will get booed. But the thing is, Grealish is the type of player to turn that into, you know, positive motivation. Grealish loves a kick up the backside, man. Like he that's 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 how he like the the absolute best thing that Villa could do is give him no reception at all. <laughs> Genuinely. No, that's <laughs> not gonna happen though. So no, I know, I know, yeah. but it would be hostile. It would be hostile, I think, because I think we've established that honestly the guy does just I don't think is very good at judging the way that he says things and, and how and how they'll be interpreted. Like, the best thing he should have done is, you know, treated it again like an ex and just not said anything. Just, you know, stop stop with the little digs or, you know, the little patronizing comments about how small Villa are. Leave them on red. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I don't have a problem with him. I don't think every fan has a problem with him, but he's an ex-player who essentially dumped the club or left the club because they weren't big enough for him. That's that's it. And fans don't like to be patronized, you know, regardless of regardless of what club you are. You know, Rangers didn't like the fact that Gerard came to us because they felt they were a bigger club. Uh, and it's patronizing that Gerard would just up and leave. In the same way for Villa fans, that's how they feel about Grealish. And yeah, look, I think he hasn't had the best season so far at Man City. I'm sure it'll get better, but um, he's not looking like a £100 million pound player and uh, if he comes in, and and Man City beat us and Grealish scores, it's not because Grealish is a, is the best player there. It's because Man City are ridiculously good, um, and Grealish is part of that. So yeah.
0: Well, my greatest fear is seeing him score at Villa Park, and not because it happens, but you you know if that happens, Danny, if it happens, you know it's going to be like the sky has fallen and pigs are flying. And he, uh, I just I just hate to get see it go super toxic
1: when it doesn't need to. If that makes sense, it will go super toxic if he scores. Um, <sighs> and but like, is he going to celebrate? That's the question. I think if he gets booed heavily, he probably will. Right? But then, but then that completely kills off his PR machine. The, the, the sense, thing.
2: the sensible thing if he did score would be to not celebrate. But as we all know. He's, I'm sure he's a lovely lad,s but but he's not a smart lad,
1: so,
0: and so he will make the wrong decision. Yeah,
1: it, it, no, it's scary.
0: scary. It's scary. That's all I can say.
1: Because the thing is, if he scores against, if he if he does score and celebrate against Villa, like he's written off. Like in, in the same way that like in the same way that like Dwight York gets looked at by Villa fans, in that while well, you went to Birmingham, you know you can't be a Villa legend. Yeah. Like, that's what happened with with Grealish now. Essentially, if he if he if he if he starts celebrating scoring for Man City, because the thing is, the whole premise of his relationship with his, with the fans, that's the thing. It's not if if he'd have just been playing for Villa, talked you know not talked about how much he loves the club uh, and all of that, that would have been one thing. But it, the whole premise of his relationship with the fans is built off this idea that he's a homegrown Villa fan. He loves the club, won't love any other club more than that. So. Um, I just think I just think he'll he'll have written everything off if that happens. I don't think he would be stupid enough to to celebrate. Well, uh, go off if you do. It's fine. I yeah. I probably would if I was. Yeah. Uh,
0: just how yeah. weird can you uh, like? I I do want to actually kind of break this down to how we think Villa might set up and how do you think Steven Jarrett will approach this? But the one thing I do want to put out there is how odd is it going to be? See potentially that. McGinn is tackling Grealish or things like that. You know what I mean? It, it, like it's just like we we will get used to it eventually, but it's just so weird, is it not? I I think if if Grealish
2: plays, I guarantee within the first two or three minutes, McGinn is going to go absolutely through him. <laughs> Which is what you I'd want to say. I'd want to see that. You wouldn't you?
0: Uh what oh what's what's the reception gonna be when he goes down for the first time? <laughs> it's gonna be like deja vu. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be the biggest one where it's gonna be ironic to see a villa fans boo that because we all loved it for so long. But anyways, Danny, I'll pass this one back over to you. How do you think Steven
1: Gerrard in Villa set up for this one in particular? He's not gonna change anything. I mean you may you might switch out he might switch out personnel, but I don't think he's going to change anything. I think this is where we're going to struggle. Like we're, our defensive organisation is brilliant, but how do you prepare for whatever Man City throw at you? It's going to break eventually. So this is going to be Gerrard's first real Premier League test. Like this is like the thing. The thing with with Manchester City is that if you can get a result, it's great. But the thing is, it's a default three points lost. Like it, that's it. It's by default, Man City will start will 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 steamroll you that's the way that team works that's that you know that is how it is with them like that they the idea of man city is that you'll that you'll win um i don't know 25 30 games a season and you know you might drop a couple of points somewhere like that's that's the way that team works so uh just with with everything that they've got and the way they're playing at the moment uh i think you know look look what they did to psg this week you know turned it around even at 1-0 down didn't mean anything to them. They just kept playing their way. Um, I think, yeah, I think I think this is going to be a a tough one for Gerard's boys. I don't think it will be a four-nil steamrolling. I think maybe we'll lose two or three-one. Although what I think may happen and the danger is, is that if Villa do go down and then concede another. Will all that confidence that Gerard has given them will it set back into that frustration that we've seen from them? Uh, you know, in the Dean Smith days of a couple of weeks ago. That's what you. That's what you start to wonder. Will Will that panic set back? Um, that's what I wonder about. So I'm gonna say three one Man City for now.
0: Fair enough, Simon. How do you see it?
2: Yes, I mean, you're sort of right. The game is against City and Liverpool. Often, think if you can if you can grab a point out of them, then then great. It's it'll be interesting to see what the eleven he picks is because I agree that I don't I don't see him like changing system or doing anything you know to like that for it. It'd be, be interesting to see what eleven players he actually picks for it. <clears throat> so, I mean, obviously, you know, City when when they're when they're at their best. You, you know, we're just not going to be capable of of competing with them because they've just got much better players than us. What you're hoping for is they have a, a slight off day because the, the, the points and they've dropped this season that I can think of, especially at home to Southampton and Palace. The key is getting through that sort of first 20 minutes, half an hour at 0 0. Because they, they, you know, they, the fact that they don't really have a proper centre forwards has become, can, can be an issue if the longer the game remains goal. If they get an early lead, then I think you're going to find it very tough to get back into it. But you need to, I'd, I'd like to, to, to stick with the formation because you want to be defensively solid, but you need to still have try and offer some sort of threat because they they can be beaten. It's very tough and you need them to have a slight off-down view to have things go wrong. If you Obviously, the fans are going to be, you know, think probably going into it thinking, well, we're not going to win this. But the players, the players can't go into it thinking like that. And I, I don't think Gerard will have, will, will, will have them going in thinking like that. I, I, I think he'll, he'll be, he'll go in believing that that, that we can go and, and beat them. And it'd be a, uh, be, yeah. I'm looking for. am kind of weirdly looking forward to, to, just looking forward to seeing how, how we approach this type of game now under Gerard's. Like, what is. The way to approach it but if i'm if you're asking me for a prediction i i think i'd go 3-1 as well 2-1 or 3-1 yeah
0: fair enough well the last time of course we beat Manchester city was at villa park and that man Andy viman scored that goal that we can all remember and celebrated with his arms wide open and of course that wasn't on a wednesday or a december 1st but uh you know what? You never know. These days do come once in a while. We saw last season that really both games with them, in my opinion, we were pretty tight with them. It wasn't like complete blow. It's like the season before. I would argue that we have a way better squad, especially depth wise. I would imagine it'll be interesting to see if he plays in the Canva or if he sticks Douglas Louise in there with, uh, with uh, Lester in mind on the Sunday.
1: One I mean, of them, mad- yeah, sorry, Danny. So I was going to say one of the games last season as well, we got screwed out of it because of um because of a bad refereeing decision that's the they first changed one the, wasn't it change the rules change the rules the next week what the heck was that the anyway, two nil sorry go back yeah i think
0: that was the two nil one because we it was literally nil nil until that happened and probably would have stayed that way up until that and then the second goal was basically just uh frustration basically from that first one being even given in my opinion but uh Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. You would imagine that the wingers will probably be swapped out. And again, like Danny said, it's going to be all about keeping those fresh. The one thing for me, it'll be interesting to see who he picks up front, keeping in mind, we won't have a lot of possession. So do you go with someone like Ollie Watkins who can hold it up and run his socks off? Or do you go with someone like Danny Ings, if fit and able to, who can take that one chance and really grasp at it? That'll be the one for me. Um, I don't believe this is going to happen, but I'm going to be the optimist here. I'm going to say one, all do I see that happening? No, but at times this season, man city have not scored a lot of goals. So we have to keep that in mind as well. And I don't know. I can just see us nicking something out of this. I don't know why watch. It'll be like four, one or something now. And then everyone will go back to, Oh, Steven Gerrard, who this is, this is a short term success, blah, 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 blah. But anyways, that's, that's, um, Guys, before we wrap things up, shall we play a game? Yeah, go for it. Let's do it. Okay, so it is is the game without a name. We still don't have a name. And it'll probably just be called the game without a name from now on. So, of course, if you're new to the podcast or have listened before and are just kind of coming in back into this, uh, we have a new game. Uh, Danny already kind of knows what's going on. I'll try to explain it again uh, better than I have in the past, of course. So, basically, I'll give each of these guys the name of the player, they'll have to guess and, or basically say how many name or clubs they can, uh, that they played for that they can name. If that makes sense, I'm butchering this, but nonetheless. um, So say if it's a player that has played for eight clubs, uh, for example, Simon could say, Oh, I know five. Danny could say, I don't know five or six, obviously in this case. So Simon can have a go. If Simon gets it, he gets a point. If he doesn't, Danny gets a point. So basically it's higher, lower, um, I've butchered this explanation, but nonetheless, I explained it and I get credit for doing so. So let's go for round one. And it, of course, is a Villa fan and that man, Barry Bannon, who has played for seven clubs, of course, permanently and on loan. So, Simon, I'll come to you first. How many clubs do you think you can name that Barry Bannon has played for? Oh, God. Um,
2: <laughs> this is bad. I I can only think
1: of two two okay danny how about you <laughs> at the moment i've got two oh, oh. We, we, we both at can't do moment.
0: two so someone go for three <laughs>
1: no no hold on hold on hold on give me a second <laughs> obviously wait hang on do villa count yes Villa, so i can think of three yeah
0: so i i should preface that as well of course villa and all of these because they played for villa so of course that can always count as one i feel like <laughs> you guys are going to feel really stupid when you don't think i think four Okay. I think
1: four, but I'm not but I'm not sure about the fourth.
0: Okay, so Simon, do you think you can do you want to commit on four, Danny? I should say. What happens if I get one of them wrong? Then Simon gets a point. Okay, I can name three. Okay, three. <laughs> Simon, do you want to go for four? No, because I, I can literally only think of two. And one of them's Villa, the one of them's what he, he currently plays for. So. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Danny, take it away. Barry Bannon. Okay, I've got Villa, Huddersfield, and Sheffield Wednesday. It is um, in terms of clubs he's permanently played for, which I feel like you're going for. Um, it was uh, Villa, of course, he started at, went to loan at Derby County, then Blackpool on loan, then Fuck. Leeds on loan. Of course, then he went to Crystal Palace. Um, then a Did time, what? Yeah, Palace. Yes, he was there for two years from 2013 oh to 2015, made 22 Crazy. appearances, scored one goal, went on loan in the 15 season to Bolton. And then, of course, he's been at Sheffield Wednesday. Ever right, so. okay. Jesus. I shouldn't have said how this feels. I had dog in my head, they were my fourth. Okay, well, fair enough. So 1 nil to Simon. And Simon, I think you <laughs> won last week, if I'm thinking correctly, right? I did, yeah. There you yeah. go. So we're starting you off well. I uh, gave you the easy pickings and Tom, and now we, we step it up, hopefully, and Danny can give you <laughs> an even better game. Um, let's go to uh, Concrete Ron Vlar. Uh, this one should be very interesting. Um, I thought this one would be a little tricky. He's only played for f- three clubs, um, of course. Um, so, yeah, Simon, how many do you think you can name? Oh god! Again, just the two, I think, and even then, I'm not confident about the second one. Danny, do you think you can go for all three?
1: I'm trying to think of who the heck the third one would be, man.
0: Um, I feel it's pretty obvious. Like once you think, like once you see it, obvious, it's obvious. But like, it's you'll go, oh, that would make sense. But anyways, if you think you can, let me know. It's a a quick game is a good game, as I always say.
1: All right, fine, fine, fine. Okay, I think I can. I think I can do two.
0: Two. Okay. Um so who's going for three or <laughs> no, nah,
2: I I, I you know I'm not even actually confident about the second one, so I, I think I can only do one.
0: Okay, <laughs> this is really bad. Okay, Danny, go for two. Okay. Um
1: Villa. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Was another one this is where I know I'm gonna screw up. Was the other one Fire Nord? correct okay yes Fine.
0: yes the all other right, team okay, that okay. he's played for twice from 04 to 06 and of course after villa from 2015
1: to 2021 was az oh okay, Altmark. Z Altmark. okay cool. yeah
0: yeah so yeah that's that's always i usually find people get the one before and after but of course with dutch football it's always kind of tricky to get all those he's actually made quite a few more appearances Villa than i actually thought to be fair 79 and we can always remember the two goals he scored as well. Uh, but uh, guys, there's a third one. I have two different names and I couldn't decide. How, do you want to go? Just do them both,
1: man. Just do them both. Well, no, because <laughs>
0: that doesn't make any sense because then we don't have a winner if it's a tie. But, anyways, and I don't have a fifth because <laughs> I don't plan that well ahead. Do you guys want to go <laughs> for a guy that's played for nine clubs or eight?
1: Go for the nine club map. Yeah, kind of, yeah, okay. Nine well, club, yeah, you yeah. might
0: hate me because it's Nathan Delfonso. Um oh. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> and you could on, have on. had Emmy Martinez. But, anyways, um <laughs> it would have been a lot easier. But anywho, oh God, so, this is terrible. So nine clubs. Keep in mind, he's went on what one, two, three, four, five, six loan spells. Um, out of those <laughs> nine clubs. So uh Simon, how do you think you can name out a nine for Nathan Delfonso?
2: Oh God! Um, I've def- there's definitely two. <laughs> Your and, favorite um, number is two. Yeah, I, can already,
1: I can already do you three. But, but
2: I, you three. I, I, I'm I'm sure I watched him playing. He was there was a game on TV the other day and he was playing, and I well, he still does play. For, so the, yeah. for the life of me, think what game that was. I think I think I can go three. I think.
0: Okay. I was, well. Damn Danny it. said three, so you either have to, have to go give him it or go for four. I feel like honestly, I feel like you have a good shot going for four and just ran, like honestly. All right, I'll 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 go, I'll go four and yeah, trick a how Marion. Okay, well blame me if you lose this. But uh so Nathan Delfonso, who's now 30 years old, makes me feel very old. But uh yeah, Simon, have a go at four. Okay, so you got Villa. Yep, Blackpool. Three times. <laughs>
2: Yeah, And I'm, I think the game that I saw the other day, Bolton?
0: Uh-huh.
2: Right, now I've got to try and pick a 4-4. i am Just because we seem to have sent a few players there over the years, I'm going to have a stab at Nottingham Forest. <clears throat>
1: I had so- four, by the way, Cole. Sorry. I, 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 I named three other than Villa. I, I had two of the ones that Simon had. That's okay. I've already, I've already won this round. I've already won this. Yeah, round. so you've
0: won. You've won the game. So but congratulations.
1: So, so I got Bolton <laughs> and I got Blackpool. Yeah, I also had Burton Albion.
0: No, he has not played for Burton Albion.
1: Well, that's cool then. It's good that Simon. Won. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so he started his career at Villa. Of course, he was there from 08 to 2014. 31 appearances, two goals. um his time at the villa, he's been on loan, I think, five times, Burnley, Leicester City, Blackpool, Blackpool again, and Coventry City, then went to Blackpool permanently in 1415, then went oh, to Blackburn fuck, Rovers from 15 to 16, was at Bury in 2016, 2016 to 17, Swindon Town, 17 to 20, Blackpool again, and now he's at Bolton. How do you go to
1: Blackpool that often?
0: He must, <laughs> he must love it there. I don't know yeah. many people who do. To be fair, but anyway, he,
2: he must love the, the pleasure beach there. The crazy oh, thing, the fairground fair rides.
1: Right? He looked like such a good player when he first came through, and he was so he, young. Yeah. he was seventeen, and I guess it was just Martin O'Neill, man. <laughs> no,
2: I mean, to, to be fair, I, I think his subsequent career in this club suggests that he maybe wasn't as good as we initially thought. Well, was. Danny, he, he was be... very
1: fast.
0: Keep yeah. this in mind, Danny. Um, his literally it took him to break 50 appearances for one club. He didn't do that until 2017 and um until 2020 with Blackpool or made 125. Before that, his highest was 2012-13 with Blackpool.
1: <laughs> that man plays Europa League football.
0: Yeah. His Wikipedia has a, a picture That's of Barry Vanett, I guess. Uh, <laughs> his, his Wikipedia has a picture of him sitting on the ground balancing a football like Ronaldo or Ronaldinho would do. <laughs> so it kind of makes him look like he's mysterious and should have been this kind of superstar, kind of like a Ravel Morrison, but uh, nonetheless, you remember that
1: class of youngsters.
0: Yeah. yeah. How many, how many different classes have we had that are supposed to do something <laughs> and didn't. So hopefully this is the next group with uh, hopefully Chuck, Chuck will make a signs deal. But anyways, we won't discuss that. We can discuss that another time because we've done this for long enough, but uh, should we wrap it up there guys? Or do we have anything else to discuss? I think I'm all good. All good. All good. I'll let, I'll let Simon and Danny go to bed. I thank them very much for joining me on a, on a late Sunday evening. Of course, they probably have the Monday scaries or the Sunday scaries, whatever you want to call them, um, with work being on the Monday. Of course, who likes Mondays? I still haven't met a person that does. But anyways, thank you very much, guys, for joining me. Of course, you can find their Twitter uh, details in the description of wherever you find this podcast. Of course, you can tweet me at Villa as well tweet the team at 7500 to hold email a podcast holtcast at gmail.com and of course keep getting your donations in for our acorns just giving page um like i said every time and people are probably sick of hearing it we'll be ramping that up for the month of december and hopefully uh, hitting our goal within that month but anyways we'll leave it there we'll be back post man city Hopefully we don't get smashed. Hopefully we get a point. We continue this role and happy days going to the Christmas festive period. But anyways, like I said, we'll leave it there. And don't forget the Villa.